We're going back in the archive this week to take a look at a favourite interview and one that you might be really keen to share. This is an ABC podcast. This is Baby Talk Podcast with Penny Johnston. Could you imagine a prescription drug that would let you feel 10 years younger? And to top it off, your brain will too. You'd pay an awful lot for a pill that did all that. But researchers have started to discover that grandparenting has a quantifiable benefit to the people involved giving women, at least, improved cognitive function and a brain age that is 10 years younger than their biological age. So could we see a prescription saying, take two grandchildren once a week and call me in the morning? Now, this might seem like a perfect excuse for parents wanting to dump the kids with grandparents. There is, however, a catch. Like with most drugs... There's something called an optimal dose. And if you get too much time with the grandchildren, it can start to turn that positive effect into a negative impact. Now, the research is fascinating. It's all about the brain boost women get with interacting with their grandchildren. So we found that the people who were minding their grandchildren were performing better on tests of executive function and on episodic memory than those who weren't minding their grandchildren at all. The research is part of the bigger Women's Healthy Ageing Project. Associate Professor Cassandra Serkey from the University of Melbourne's Faculty of Medicine and Catherine Byrne, who's a psychologist completing her PhD at the University of Melbourne. It's their research that's created the headline and the possibility that grandchildren can turn back the biological clock. So when I had them in the studio, I asked them about the positive benefits of grandchildren and how the research came about. When the study was first conceived, which was 20 years ago, these women have been contributing to medical research for over 25 years now. In fact, 2016 will be the 25th year that they've been contributing. And about a decade and a bit ago, we suddenly realised that they were starting to be grandparents and have a lot of involvement in their grandchildren. And so we started asking them some questions about this. And then I might throw to Catherine, who's made this her career. Well, we know from uh, the National Institute of Health that social activity uh, is a really important factor in both cognitive and emotional health for older adults. But what we don't know is what actual social roles that they're participating in and, and how those specific roles will impact on their health, which brought us around to the grandparenting because... Well, as we, as we know from the Australian Bureau of Statistics, that grandparents are now the most popular form of childcare in Australia. So we were really interested in, well, if all of these grandparents are taking care of their grandchildren, then how is that impacting on their health and not just on the children themselves? And the results caused a bit of a, a flurry because you seem to have some really good benefits by being involved with your grandchildren. Yeah, absolutely. So we found that... Uh, the people who were minding their grandchildren were performing better on tests of executive function and on episodic memory than those who weren't minding their grandchildren at all. We did interestingly find that the people who, uh, there, there is an optimal amount of time to spend with grandchildren, that it's not just, it's not just an all or nothing 
phenomenon. So we found that the people who were minding their grandchildren for more than a day a week were actually performing worse than the people who were only minding their grandchildren for just one day. Small children are quite exhausting as well. Absolutely, yes. Yeah. So, so what do the, uh, the women that you're working with, what, how did they respond to those results? We haven't actually spoken to the women directly about this. Obviously, we don't want to influence our own data. But we did also ask them a little bit about are they feeling any demand from certain members of their family? And so we did find that the ones uh, who were minding their grandchildren for more than one day a week were reporting a lot more demand from their children and from their relatives. It's really hard to take a group of women that you're researching and turn that into how would that work for the individual? So I guess there's sort of a bit of variation. Grandparents Mm. might be looking after children for really stressful reasons like a separation or divorce. I think certainly these results only really apply to the women who we looked at who were a randomly selected population of Melbourne-based women. However, it's really interesting that very few people actually look at this kind of question. So there's been some studies in Europe, there's been some studies in China, but you know, overall, not enough people are actually looking at the question of whether grandparenting influences cognition. And in the literature, the results from Europe and China were only published in 2014. So this is a relatively recent body of research and work, and certainly more needs to be done in this field. Even the results in places like Europe and China, you've got a big cultural difference because I know at least in a lot of Chinese cultures, grandparents, it's their chance to parent almost. The parenting role sort of skips a generation, I think, culturally. There are a lot of cultural, social and economic differences in, in all the countries. But interestingly, the results were relatively similar, showing again that grandparenting was benefiting people's cognition. Then again, dosage is something that we should mm. talk about because we did find both in women when they were in their 60s and also again in women when they were in their 70s that if they were grandparenting frequently and regularly, Um, it did drop off the benefit. So whilst they still had greater benefit than those who weren't grandparenting at all, they were statistically significantly less likely to perform well than those who were only grandparenting one day a week. And actually the studies in Europe and in China have shown very similar results. I think what's varying here is the amount of time that's optimal between the the different cultures. But I know of two studies at least that have both shown that the really highly frequent grandparenting was associated with lower cognitive function. Okay, so don't be overloading your grandparents then. I yes, think well, with the grandchildren. From the results of this research, I had to drop my mum's grandparenting back. <laughs> she, she was a five day a week grandparent, but I couldn't conscionably have her continue to do that in light of these results. That's quite significant. I suppose the thing is, is that we can only ever deal, unless we're researching like you guys, we can only ever deal with the information that we have with our own personal circumstances. I think one of the interesting things is getting information like this out to people. You know, when you have a drug or a product that can be sold, you've got a whole team of marketers who will be explaining that this is the next best thing to go and get to improve your function. When we start talking about things that are not saleable items, like lifestyle behaviours, you know, there isn't a marketing team out there necessarily explaining to people they should be taking this up. And we know now, um, so a recent publication in Lancet Neurology showed that in fact modifiable lifestyle factors attributed 50% of the cases of dementia. 
Wow, that's pretty significant. And when you're talking about the measurements that you're recording for uh, cognitive ability, can mm. you give us a sort of an insight into, you know, what what is that improvement and what does it sort of mean in day-to-day life? Like what, what are you measuring that's better for these women that have the optimal period of, of grandparenting? So the two key measures we looked at in this study were uh, episodic memory, so things uh, like word list recall, you know, are they going to be able to get down to the supermarket and remember that they need jam, eggs and bread or something like that, uh, but also executive function, which is what we, we found had was greatest impacted. Uh, and that has a lot to do with things like inhibition, speed of processing information, things like decision-making and uh, goal-oriented. So it's, it's, a very, uh, it's a very broad but overall control sort of a, a mechanism there. Cassandra, can you sort of explain how that would, if you could give someone a drug for those things, you know, <laughs> it would be a pretty valuable addition to your life to be able to do something that would make those improvements in your life. Hmm. So look, the two things are memory, which is just recalling things that you've just been taught. And the second in executive functioning is really what we do to coordinate all of our cognitive abilities. It's a coordination, it's a planning, it's strategy, and that is where we found the greatest benefits. So with people looking after their grandchildren, I presume they're actually practising strategy, planning and coordination through caring for their grandchildren. And that makes them better then at maintaining those um, activities as they age. And why would that benefit not be from doing something like, say, caring for a partner or doing a social activity or something along those lines? What, well, what do you think the key is with the grandchildren? First of all, that's a perfect question, and that's actually what Catherine's going to look at next in her next study, is looking at all forms of social engagement. She'll be looking at volunteer work, community work, looking after partners, caring for other people, um, because that's exactly true. It, we have to remember that we are social organisms, that a large part of our brain is um, devoted to um, social communications, and that all social engagements can have improvement, and there's certainly literature to show that that's the case. If you look at the improvement that was found in our study, it is comparable basically to the age effect. So what I mean by that is if you look at um, how much age impaired people's memory function over the time, and we all know that age is the strongest contributor to getting dementia and the strongest contributor to um, declining cognition over time. In fact, the time spent with your grandchildren had an equal amount of effect as age did. So that gives you a kind of comparable effect. So it's a little turning back of the clock, the ageing clock. Yes. That is quite amazing. I'm, I'm really glad that you also made the point that, you know, if there was a comparable drug that did the same thing, you guys would be bazillionaires, wouldn't you? (laughs) Well, all that matters is that people get healthier. And looking at the lifestyle part of contribution to dementia and cognitive decline, there's a real opportunity for people to get healthier. What if you don't have grandchildren? This is a pretty powerful argument to finding some children, pretty quick smart. (laughs) Ultimately, it's about the social engagement and what grandparenting brings. So I might ask Catherine to talk about her next phase of her PhD, looking more broadly at other social engagement. So absolutely, children are fantastic. And and we do know from other studies that Older adults who take care of children tend to report they're they're engaging in more play activities and more sports and and 
all sorts of very stimulating activities, but there's a lot of other ways that you can do that as well. So we know in our sample at least, that more than half are participating in volunteer work, doing things like Meals on Wheels and, and that sort of thing. Uh, there's also you know community organisations getting out there and participating in, say, Rotary, Probus, U3A, that sort of thing. There's there's a lot of ways. It's, it's about staying active mentally. And whatever is comfortable for you, I think, is best. I think it's... I think our, our results have really highlighted that it's it's a very subjective experience there. It's about what keeps you active but also doesn't stress you out, keeps you happy as well. And the measurements that you used, you recorded who was looking after grandchildren and then you just gave a standardised test for the cognitive function and executive function. So the neuropsychological battery that was utilised in this cohort is very similar to most international studies who look at full neurocognitive testing. So a full neuropsychological battery was used. Yeah, so it wasn't anybody's personal opinion of how well their memory was going. It was no. No. tested. No. Yeah. So this was, it's uh, two hours of standardised cognitive testing done by a neuropsychologist. And after that, the reports of the neuropsychologist are evaluated by a full clinical panel where the results are then categorised into people who have either healthy cognition, healthy cognition with memory complaints, healthy cognition with poor memory scores, mild cognitive impairment or Alzheimer's disease or vascular dementia or one of the other dementias. Yeah, and what's what's your study sample size? Uh, 224. This is a pretty significant finding, isn't it? It is. Several hundred people with this many neurocognitive tests rather than just one cognitive test is significant. But what's the most unique about this study? It's 24 years of follow-up. So that's something that is actually unique in the world. Several hundred people with 24 years of follow-up all of whom have had a full neuropsychiatric battery. So it seems to me that it's really, really, really beneficial to have grandchildren one day a week, but more than that makes it, it gets worse as time goes on. The improvement is less. And why do you think it's that one day a week that's the key to making the, the biggest improvements? When we first found this with Catherine's first work, looking at the women who are about age 60, we thought it might have been a one-off finding. But then similar studies have found similar findings. And when we look again at the women at 70, again, it's this one day a week that's coming up. I think it could be because when you look at more than one day a week, you're getting people in there who are full-time carers. And when someone is regularly caring more than a day a week... There are other things involved, as you alluded to. It could be a situation where there's been a divorce and there's a need for additional childcare. There are so many other factors that start to um, interplay when people are caring regularly more than a day a week. And it could be those other factors that are showing a drop-off. But again, they were still better off in their executive function and strategic planning than those who didn't care for grandchildren at all. Cassandra, I'm sort of really intrigued uh, and, and very heartened that you were so impressed by these studies that you did make a personal change in your situation. Well, I think, <laughs> I think the point of all the research we do is to improve the health of all Australians. And that has to start at home, I think. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Earlier this year in Baby Talk, I interviewed the American academic who was behind the, the grandmother hypothesis. She actually sort of felt that 
the grandmother, so the woman who was no longer able to bear children but was still an incredibly efficient food gatherer, was pivotal in the evolution of humans as being a, a dominant species and really being able to develop those sort of family units. So I suppose that research doesn't really surprise you either. No, and that was actually where I started when we, uh, when we first did the study back in 2012, I think it was. That, that was the point that we started from, that in hunter-gatherer days, while the, the male was out Killing a rhinoceros. Or, yeah. That's right. <laughs> and the mother would, of course, be, you know, trying to reproduce and, and maximise genetic contribution sort of thing. Then who's looking after the children that already exist? And, and I think that's where the grandmothers then come in and that's where we started the multi-generational families. Well perhaps you're providing the other end of the evolutionary equation in that there is obviously a payoff for the grandmothers psychologically. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well I think evolution has shown us there's a payoff so women have always across the ages lived a lot longer than men. So particularly in those early days after the age of 40 men died of heart disease at quite a rate of knots whereas women had a cardioprotective effect, not dying of heart disease. Of course, now those uh, statistics have changed with our modern society. However, grandmothers actually had a much longer lifespan than grandfathers. This research does not extend to grandfathers at the moment. Is there anybody that's going to try and take out the role for grandfathers to see if there's uh, an improvement for their lifestyle and executive function as well? Actually, the studies that have been done uh, in China and Europe have actually looked at men as well, uh, not quite to the extent as women, but they have included men and shown very, very similar trajectories as well, that the, the ones who are caring for their grandchildren rather frequently are also experiencing that decline. It's really all about the fact that women do live longer because they were making contribution, whereas, of course, if you're a hunter, as soon as you can't run anymore, mm. your role declines in that old hunter-gatherer society. The take-home message here is being engaged is beneficial for health. And that social engagement, it's physical activity, it's all sorts of engagement. And the thing that grandparenting provides from when we drill down and ask grandmothers what they're doing appears to be more physical activity because they're running around with the children, more cognitive activity because they find themselves in a teaching role and describe learning themselves again things they didn't even realise that they had forgotten. And it also incorporates greater cognitive activity. So they've got the social engagement, the cognitive activity and the physical activity, all of which we know have huge improvements in cognition. Is it also because, you know, communicating with small children is different to communicating with adults as well? It's a sort of taking things back to absolutely in the moment, you know, you're not reliving the past or projecting into the future you are the children are very zen like that <laughs> look i think living in the moment is really important and it goes a long way to what people talk about having better mood after interaction with grandchildren and you know it's been shown that improved mood also improves your cognitive ability and people who are depressed are more likely to later get dementia so there's also a whole mood aspect um, to interaction with grandchildren there's also been benefits to grandchildren on um, being looked mm. after by their grandparents. There have been a few studies, actually, that have shown that grandchildren 
who get cared for by their grandparents have got better IQs, there are better social functioning, that sort of thing as well. So it's not just the grandparents as well, it's, it's a whole family aspect here. And I do notice that children, they have a different relationship with grandparents. It's sort of, it's a bit more relaxed. It's, it seems like it's parents can sort of project a lot more on, on children than grandparents do. Absolutely. But that's another study, I suppose. Yes. (laughs) So, Catherine, moving on, how are you sort of hoping that the results are going to be picked up and used? Well, look, I I think, you know, a lot of medical research focuses on the magic pill that's going to cure things. But what we know is that dementia and Alzheimer's disease uh, and that sort of thing, they're, they're developing... 10, 15, 20 years before we actually see any symptoms occurring. So what we need is uh, some lifestyle changes that we can implement early uh, that are easy for people to do on their own. They're not going to cost a fortune just to get people to optimise their health at that point so that when they're entering older age, they can enjoy their life to the fullest. Obviously, this study's raised a lot of questions. So if people want more information, where can they go? So the Women's Healthy Ageing Project at the University of Melbourne can be found online and we also have an email address for anyone who would like to contact us or is interested in the research. We're actually expanding the study now to include children. So we've looked at these women, they're now aged 75 and we're now expanding the study to look at a cohort of younger women aged um, 45 to 55. I'm sure we all are going to look forward to hearing those results as they continue to be processed. And, of course, welcome the inclusion of a new, younger cohort to that study into women's healthy ageing. Didn't you just love how they want to get the message out about how positive this interaction with grandchildren can be? I think one of the interesting things is getting information like this out to people. You know, when you have a drug or a product that can be sold, you've got a whole team of marketers who'll be explaining that this is the next best thing to go and get to improve your function. When we start talking about things that are not saleable items, like lifestyle behaviours, you know, there isn't a marketing team out there necessarily explaining to people they should be taking this up. And we know now modifiable lifestyle factors attributed 50% of the cases of dementia. Professor Serke also wanted you to know that there's much more information about the Healthy Ageing Study and the results that they're getting on their website, which I'll put into the story page of the Baby Talk homepage. And if you subscribe to Baby Talk, you won't miss an episode like the one we had last week talking about lockdown fatigue, which is, believe me, a real thing. It's really evident in the absolute drop-off of the social skills that they've been working so hard on previously. In the home setting, they're having to deal with relationships within their own family, but the complexity of the playground relationships, the turn-taking, the sharing, the waiting, the understanding, the empathy, that stuff just falls away and it is boot camp again for educators and teachers when they come back to try and lift the kids back into functioning properly in that social setting of the learning environment. And in that podcast, you'll find out how to counteract it. Baby Talk, we think our episodes are always worth sharing. And this one about grandparents is a lovely one to share. If you're interested, take a look at Baby Talk in the ABC Listen app or on iTunes. And you can find a share button that lets you text or email through a link to find the podcast or of course you can find us just by searching online baby talk one word we're part of the abc website as well 
I'm Penny Johnston. I'll see you next time on Baby Talk. ABC Baby Talk is a weekly podcast on ABC Radio, wherever you get your podcasts and on the ABC Listen app. Like us on Facebook to find out as soon as a new episode is ready. Just search for ABC Baby Talk. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.